Hello, it's Caroline, and I'm here to tell you that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded a long time ago, back when I used Patreon, back when I ran lots of different workshops and programs that I do not run anymore, and back before the Fuck It Diet book. So if I refer to any of these obsolete offerings while you're listening, just know that even though my Patreon and other programs don't exist anymore, you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck It Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. Welcome to the Fuck It Diet Radio. My name is Caroline Dooner, and I am your host and the creator of the Fuck It Diet. And as always, we are here to find a little freedom with our food and relationship to our bodies. So today I'm going to read my new post, which is called, What's Going to Happen With My Weight? Which is a question I get all of the time. And uh, over the weekend, I did this weird dancing video to Jesus Christ Superstar because I was still obsessed with it off of the, off of the high of Easter, guys. Um, I did this weird dancing video to Jesus Christ Superstar when I was reunited with my weird sister. And I shared it on the Fuck It Diet Instagram. And as I shared it, I thought that maybe it was a mistake because as I was watching it back, I noticed that I looked really thin. And I don't show my full body often in my work with the fuck a diet because I don't think it's necessarily helpful because when I do, it raises lots of questions about weight that I think are ultimately unhelpful distractions. Um, Like this comment from a follower. I don't know her. I haven't worked with her. She replied, you are thin and look great. How much did you gain initially when you said fuck it? Do you weigh the same or more or less now than when you were dieting? Love the dance moves. First of all, I just want to bring our attention to what it means when you say or when people say, you are thin and look great. Like that's a compliment people say all the time. You're so thin. You look so good. What are you implying when you say something like that? That if the person wasn't thin, that they wouldn't look great? That they didn't look great before when they weren't thin? That people who don't look thin don't look great? Think about the implications of the way we choose to compliment people and women especially because uh, complimenting people's weight or talking about people's weight um, or saying, oh my God, you look so skinny is like a way that we are conditioned to compliment women. And this is why we are dysfunctional with food. Our weight stuff affects our food stuff and affects our relationship with food. So if we want to heal our relationship with food, we have to understand all of the stuff that's going on with our relationship to weight. This is why we are at odds with ourselves. I said that really weirdly. This is why we are at odds with ourselves. And I understand that this was a lead into her questions about what happens with weight on the fuck a diet, but still... And I'm not trying to be aggressive or difficult, but this just happens all of the time, online and offline, and it's really tiring. 
All right, so here's a little story to kind of, it's a, it's a tangent, but it's going to explain, um, it's just going to, whatever, I'm not even going to try to explain it right now. So a year ago, I moved into a house that I still live in. I bought a house that had put up this flimsy full-length mirror on the bedroom wall to cover the water damage to the exposed brick that was, um, my house is, was like built in the 1840s. Also, I kind of explained this story a little bit on a past podcast episode, so Forgive me if you're hearing this twice. But this also means that that flimsy mirror puffs out and turns into a widening or fat mirror. And I know this and I accept it because I'm currently too overwhelmed to deal with the brick water damage in the house that I bought. But this also means that every morning I look wider in the mirror than I actually am. And in my laziness, I figured that this might also be some sort of interesting fuck a diet experiment because it's not fully accurate, but like it doesn't really matter ultimately so what doesn't it doesn't really change anything about my life and this is not something that I would have ever been okay with say five or six years ago when I was uh, starting the fuck a diet or newer on the fuck a diet because back then all I did was check out how wide I was in mirrors and like you know windows and like subway stations not subway stations bus stations you know how bus stations have like um glass like all I did was be like, oh my God, like, you know, from, from block to block as if from block to block, I was going to change sizes. So stupid. Okay. Um, I was just always so, so, so afraid of being wide. Everyone who comes over to my house and looks in that mirror says, Caroline, this is a horrible mirror. Why do you have this? I look horrible. And what they mean is that they look slightly wider than they do in real life. And they say, Caroline, you need to get a new mirror. And I say, okay, like I will eventually get a new year, uh, new mirror. Cause I do, I'm so tired. Sorry. I haven't even finished my coffee yet. I, um, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing this podcast before I'm like fully woken up, but if I sound exhausted and I'm like slurring my words, that's why. Okay. I, I'm eventually going to get a new mirror. Like I'll eventually get an accurate mirror you know, an expensive, accurate mirror and have to deal with the like crumbling wall behind it. Like I will, but it's not a fucking emergency. So calm down. Like this is not a big deal. This is very minor. But what this means is that also when I see a rare video of myself or a picture of myself, even I am sometimes shocked that I look so thin because I'm used to seeing myself with extra padding in my warped bedroom mirror. Um, I still like fluctuate a little bit too with hormones and seasons. So I'm not always like, it's just, I don't know. It's just like not a big deal to me. I don't think about it. But then when I do see a video and then I'm posting it in the context of the fuck it diet where people are really examining their relationship with their weight and their relationship with food and thinking about the fuck it diet and maybe what my experience was, it just brings up all of these extra questions that I understand why people have the questions. I really do. Um, but it's, it's sort of this like detour that isn't necessarily helpful. And the questions that people want answers to are still distractions, um, and stemming from this obsession in the first place. So I'm going to keep going. So I am totally steeped in thin privilege. The fact that I can be like, Oh, I like look a little bit wider in my like bad mirror. And like, but I'm like so thin when I look at a video of myself, like what, um, so yes, I have all of this thin privilege. I, you know, I get to sort of skate by at this point, not really thinking about it and not really having the world kind of push back against my anti-diet stuff and my anti-diet stance. And, and yes, I yo-yoed hardcore, 20 to 30 pounds-ish 
um, all the time, many times a year for 10 years when I was dieting and um, really dysfunctional with food. And I'd gain weight in my face and boobs and I would vacillate so much that clothes and bras and dresses wouldn't fit and acting teachers in college, which was my major and career choice, didn't know what kind of scenes to give me because like, was I mainstream pretty or not? Who knew? Changed month to month. And in college, a fucking creep of a headshot photographer told me at my creepy headshot photo shoot that when we'd had our consult, he thought that I was the chubby friend. But now I looked like the hot, thin ingenue. Fuck him and his epic creepiness. He also actually asked me to be part of his nude photo shoot at the end when I was stuck there waiting for him to burn the DVD. I said no. But I genuinely have, um, like, <laughs> um, pho- uh, photographer trauma after that. Okay. Um, but yes, there was always this microscope on my weight, thanks to acting, even though I was, quote unquote, ingenue chubby. I was probably always real world thin. I always had thin privilege because it's a scale. You know, even if you're not a stick figure, you can still benefit from being in a thinner body and not having people put certain, um, you know, assumptions on you that they put on bigger bodies. And this is also why media beauty standards are extra fucked up because if actors have this kind of weird pressure um, that means that the that the art that they are hired to create is what the world is consuming for the most part, and so it just kind of affects everyone. Anyway, all of this to say, yes, I have yo-yoed in my weight, and also, yes, I'm still sometimes a bra size G, currently F, and yes, I also have always had a naturally lower weight set range, and I have lots of thin privilege. But with this with this out of the way. Let's talk about the questions that people ask me about my weight, Um, which is really what the purpose of this particular post is. Okay, but Caroline, what's going to happen with my weight though? So when I show my full body on the fuck it diet, these are some of the questions that I get. Can I, will I become thin by not dieting? Can I not trust you because you're thin and I'm not? How much weight did you gain? How much weight did you lose? Are you thinner now than you were before? And I'm positive that my answer to those questions isn't necessarily helpful because it won't necessarily be the same for you or anyone else. So this is what I can tell you. We all have genetic weight set ranges fully governed by the hypothalamus and your body pretty much does everything it can to keep you in a place of homeostasis. It wants your weight to stay in that set range. And it's actually difficult to go below or above your healthy weight set range. When you go below, your body freaks out, slows down your metabolism um, in order to help you gain weight back. That's what's happening on diets and that's why you gain weight back so quickly and sometimes go over where you were before, before after diets. Prefer. And going above your weight set range is hard just by eating because your body will adjust your metabolism in order to keep you in your healthy range meaning it will speed up your metabolism. One of the only things that can actually mess with this homeostasis and make you go above, besides like thyroid or endocrine or other health issues, but one of the only things that can actually raise your weight set range is restriction, dieting. Dieting can raise your weight set point and often does because your body wants to make sure you have enough stores if the famine comes back. This is a crisis mode that has other implications for health and stress levels as well. So 
what happened with my weight on the faggot diet? And this is an answer that, remember, is still prioritizing. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I changed. Okay, sorry. This um, having to answer this question is still prioritizing the reason we're so dysfunctional with food in the first place. So like needing to know the answer to this is part of the core of the problem. But yet I understand why people are asking because it's such a loaded, scary thing for people. Okay. Um, I would say that right now I am near the lower end of my weight set range, just based on my, on looking at my weight through my 30 years of being, actually, no, my like 16 years of being like in a more adult body. So I'm now at the lower end of where I've yo-yoed. In the past, I would sometimes diet down to this weight temporarily. One time in high school, I went way below, but in retrospect, I was pretty much anorexic that year. I was really heavily restricting. I was also so anemic that I almost needed a blood transfusion. So it was not a good time. Um, I would also yo-yo up to the top of my weight set range all of the time. When I went on the fuck a diet, all I knew was that I had to let my body do whatever it needed to do. I bought bigger clothes. I left acting. So no headshot photographer could ever say that to me again. I gained weight to somewhere around the top of that range. And then I slowly lost some of it. And my weight is generally here now, no matter what I eat and what I do. And I still fluctuate hormonally, seasonally, and depending on like whatever, you know, I fluctuate and I always will and you will too. Sorry, this is like, I'm in a whole, like I am like still drinking my coffee. My eyes are barely open. I'm just so sorry. If I had a morning talk, I'm not even recording this that early, but if I had a morning talk show I would be fired (laughs) okay I fluctuate and I always will and you always will too I make sure that I have clothes that fit I have an underwear drawer filled with different bra sizes because I've learned over the years that when I like lose weight and I fit into smaller bras and then I throw out my bigger ones then six months later when the seasons change or whatever I regret it I regret it. And I still have this one romper that I can only wear when my boobs are small, but I should probably get rid of it because that's a really annoying feeling to want to wear it and then be like, oh, this doesn't actually fit. So anyway, do not compare your own weight journey to mine. Maybe compare your weight set range journey to my weight set range journey. Maybe, maybe. But here is the truth. I am lucky to be so thin that people don't give me that much pushback with my anti-diet stance and writing and business. I am lucky and I know this. Strangers and acquaintances and distant relatives tell me, and this is still really annoying, they tell me, oh wow, well it works for you. You're so thin. You look great. Shut up, Brenda. You sound like my grandmother and you have no idea what you're talking about. And also, just remember, It's comments like that that make people obsessed with becoming and staying thin in the first place because they want comments like that from Brenda. I don't know anyone named Brenda. I'm just purposely using a name of someone I didn't know. All right. I would love to hear uh, feedback to this um, either on social media or Uh, like on Instagram, I spend a lot of time on Instagram. I'm really not on Facebook as much, but um, you can still give me feedback there. Uh, Or on Patreon, of course, if you want to join uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can become someone who asks questions for this podcast, like the questions. I'm actually going to answer some questions 
um, in the next section. But if you want to give feedback or be part of the community that kind of talks about these podcast episodes, you can join over there as well. I really would love to hear your feedback to kind of the concepts that I brought up in this about how we talk about weight. Um, some of the talk about thin privilege that I have that either you don't have or that you do have. Um, I would just love to kind of start a conversation around this because if we can talk about, you know, the way, the way we're forced to talk about weight, I think that we will, um, I think that it'll make it easier, hopefully. So anyway, um, yes, as I said, uh, the next section is going to be answering questions from patreon.com slash caroline duner where i sort of have this pay what you can community where you can ask questions for the podcast and also get some higher rewards like secret posts and monthly energy work i'm dying guys this out these allergies are really killing me okay are we ready i actually before i go into answering questions i want to read this email that I got from somebody who is a podcast insider, but she also has taken my intuition intensive. And I, she wrote me this amazing email that I, I think there are pieces in it that will help lots of different people. And will also kind of give you a picture of the kind of healing, both physically and kind of emotionally, spiritually that we were, we're going for on the fuck a diet. Um, So I hope that this is helpful and inspiring and I'm going to read it and then I'm going to discuss it a little bit. So she writes, this message has been a long, long time coming and it's going to be a long one. I want to thank you immensely for saving my life. You literally changed my life and because of you, I am a different person today. The kind of person I always wanted to be and deep down knew that I was. Wow. Because of the fuck it diet, I will never be the same. Oh, geez. Out of all of the spiritual gurus, guides, self-help books, groups, knowledge, practices, and teachings I've pursued over the years, your truth and honesty has helped me more than any of it all combined and in so many more ways than I could have imagined or hoped for. I forgot that it started like this. This is going to make me cry. The things I believe in, the way I face the world and life, the relationship I am developing with myself and the ways I've grown for, for the better are in a large, large way thanks to you. I always return to you and your work and everything that you teach. <laughs> wow. Resonates so truthfully, peacefully, and personally with me. It's a never-ending process, but that is why it is so rich and fulfilling. This whole journey has been very much a coming home for me to my true self, and an awakening to my own life and an abandonment of trying to live the lives of others. Ooh, okay, I'm going to keep going. I saw on your Instagram story yesterday that you plan on making a podcast and post next week all about weight. Here we are. We're doing it right now, guys. I'm going to ask you a question on Patreon, and I just first wanted to tell you a little bit about Um, a little bit about how my relationship with my weight and my body has shifted and reshifted for the better. When I found you and your work, all I could focus on and wanted from life was to be thin. At the time, I was already extremely thin thanks to an eating disorder I'd developed around age 14 or 15. Before that, my relationship to my body and food was awesome, but I've always had a lot of existential angst and pain. 
I started dieting and exercising around that time to be more healthy and also to try and counterbalance the side effects and weight gain I experienced after being put on the birth control pill for polycystic ovaries, acne, and irregular periods. Side note, she says, at that time I was living in Italy and it is astounding how opposite the advice they give for PCOS is over there. First of all, it's considered extremely common for young, very thin girls like I was myself to have polycystic ovaries without it being diagnosed as PCOS per se. So polycystic ovaries technically, um, this is my side note now, technically is the follicles on your ovaries, the underdeveloped follicles on your ovaries, and then PCOS, the polycystic ovarian syndrome, is what they've called um, sort of the bigger umbrella um, hormonal imbalance that can involve um, lots of different things, um, lots of different hormonal stuff. So in Italy, they say it's the result of slightly lazy ovaries while girls grow into womanhood and start developing more horm- hormones. The lazy ovaries that produce lots of little follicles that don't all mature or reach ovulation. That would be the polycystic ovaries. The excess of follicles cause a luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone imbalance as the body tries to continue to make them mature and ovulate. That imbalance throws off the rest of the hormonal balance, which causes all the rest of the symptoms. In Europe, it's actually called micropolycystic ovaries or multifollicular ovaries. And over there, they tell you to eat lots and lots of carbs to help you with it and not to do too much exercise and use things like natural progesterone to try and be and to try and be happy and address your emotional issues. And I think that that all sounds beautiful and really wise. I used to be gluten-free and my gynecologist was actually really worried about it and insisted that I wasn't eating enough carbs because of having cut out the gluten. Oh, the irony. Because of course, um, in the US and also in the UK, I've learned there's all of this focus on um, cutting out carbs because a lot of people have insulin resistance. But again, as we've all learned, that doesn't help the core problem. And there are ways to support your body and also eating carbs because carbs also help all of these hormonal processes as well. So cool. She continues, she said, but I wanted the birth control at all costs to help with my skin. So I went on it. I thought you might be interested in learning how differently hormonal imbalances are treated in Europe compared to how I've heard you speak about different doctors' approaches here in the U.S. Yes, fascinating. I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you. She continues to say, My eating disorder precipitated into a dark and all-consuming force two years ago. Around that time, I decided to get sober. A while back, I asked you a question on Patreon about alcoholism, drug addiction, and the potential for sugar addiction for people like myself. So if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, you probably remember she said, is it possible that sugar is a drug for me because I have an addictive personality? And essentially I said, no, no, the body is addicted to sugar as it should be because it needs it. And if you don't give it enough, it's going to seem even more addictive because you are wired to seek it out. Uh, She said, you made an awesome podcast in response to it, and I am super thrilled to inform you that I can now safely say that for me, entirely and 100%, the true addiction is not sugar. 
but restrictive behavior around food, cutting out food groups and punishing myself for my life and emotions by not eating. I'm so happy to hear this because I give this recommendation. I mean, I give this advice all of the time. And when people really apply it, they, you know, 99% to 100% of the time say, yes, my gosh, you're really right. But if people are too afraid to apply it, then they keep seeing, you know, experiencing that sugar feels addictive. And so they never really get to that other side. She says, I have definitely heard this in AA, so I know I'm not alone. I will repeat that. The addiction is the eating disorder, not the food. I've never truly realized it until recently, but my restriction around food has been my coping mechanism to live and deal with trauma that I've lived as a kid and my wanting to escape my body, self, and experience with life. So much of this is linked to my relationship with my parents and family members, and today I'm learning to get through and address this in new ways. Again, this is all thanks to you and the strength that the fuck a diet and all I've learned about myself and my past as a result has given me. Things like therapy and AA are amazing tools for me, but the severe honesty I needed to adopt and willingness to truly be in my body and feel I learned from you. That is so amazing to hear. Thank you for sharing this with me, but there's more, so I'm going to keep reading. For the first time in my life, in my whole life, I'm willing to look at and deal with traumatic memories from my youth. I can't tell you how big of a gift this is for me, as I've unknowingly been too afraid and unwilling to go there my entire life. And that is the reason why I spent years in addictive cycles of drug and alcohol abuse and restriction. Your work in the intuition intensive has been transformative. It's been the biggest and most eye-opening tool. And this and that is where the huge shift has happened for me. I'm in touch with a deep inner child and I'm learning to let her live out repressed needs, desires, and emotions. It's been revelatory for me to realize that emotional eating is not a thing. And the more that I eat and the more that I allow my hunger, the more my emotions can come to the surface and the stronger they are. It's like food and calories are the raw materials my body needs to process my emotions and have a truthful experience with them. That quote is amazing. I think I might have to pull that out and um, and share that quote. Eating does not cover up my emotions. Restricting food definitely does. This has been a super important realization for me because for years I was emotionally shut off from the world and insentient and I could not figure out why. So back to my question. I've spent the last year and a half going up and down with my weight, but for the most part in a way bigger body than I am or was ever used to. I think that part of this was and is due to having repeatedly continued to fall back into old restrictive behaviors. I stayed stuck in the restrict allow cycle. I don't consider myself a binge eater, so I don't really use the term binge restrict. Recently, I've really turned a corner and I have reached an entirely new level of trust and faith in myself and in my higher power. And I've totally surrendered my life and will to it, which is a process of maintenance and something I have to continue to do every day. Like you, I believe that my higher power is guiding me 100% of the time when I allow it to. In AA, we call this letting go and letting God. And I feel that that is what I'm finally doing with food. And I've realized that thinness doesn't really equal happiness and that more weight doesn't equal unhappiness. It's actually, or can be, the opposite. 
I was the most miserable I've ever been at my lowest weight and probably one of the happiest I've ever been at my highest weight. I was a model for many years and worked in fashion and the entertainment industry. And believe me that one of the biggest and most important lessons I've gleaned is about who your real friends are and where people's true intentions lie. When all of a sudden your biggest commodity, your appearance starts to change and people around you start to treat you differently, it's really enlightening. It's been a blessing to learn who loves me for me and who loves me for how I look and what they think I can do for them. I've learned that I deserve to spend my time around the people I actually love and who actually love me and that I can choose who to live my life with and I can choose how I want to live it. So, well, I just want to say she's actually going to get to the question here, but I just have loved everything that she said and I I really, I believe that there are people who either will be resonating with it or who will find some new insight um, or some sort of inspiration of something that maybe they can work towards or, or, you know, I don't know. I just think that it's really beautiful to hear, to hear everything that she's gone through and everything that she's experiencing now. So she says, finally onto the question with more rest and food allowance recently, weight has started to come off a year and a half down the line. It's confusing because like I've heard you say in the past, this is proof and confirmation that the metabolism can heal. However, I personally knew that the fuck it diet was quote-unquote working for me well before this started to happen because of all of the other things I started to gain in my life and existential experience, some of which I mentioned here in the email. Among all the things I mentioned, I gained back my desire to paint, write, play, meditate, and so much more. I also learned that even though I thought that my body shape and weight was the cause of my existential anxiety and discomfort, that it was just a scapegoat all along. I've had to come to terms with the fact that those feelings have always been there for me and are what drove me to drink and drug and that weight was just a convenient placeholder for my mind not to look at all the reasons why I was feeling those things. Now that my weight is way less of an issue to me, the same feelings I've always felt of discomfort and insecurity are still there. Surprise! So I've had to dig deeper and learn new ways of coping. So, Caroline, I would really, really love to hear you talk about the ways that you personally know or knew that the fuck a diet quote-unquote works or was working that don't have to do with weight. What kind of spiritual markers do you use to measure your own happiness self-improvement, and quality of life? What have you gained back that you lost? I personally don't want to walk away with the only proof that the fuck a diet works for me, being that it healed my weight and metabolism and that weight magically started coming off, which eventually it kind of did and is doing. I want to continue to commit to myself and to my spirituality emotions and life in these new ways and I would really appreciate your insight thank you so so much from the bottom of my heart love Emma so I love this question so much it's so great and I again I would love to open this up to the people who are listening who have experienced any sort of shift in their life or in their relationship to food or weight. Um, 
I would love to hear what other people's experience, positive experiences have been, but I'm going to share with you mine right now. So essentially the question is, what are the ways that the fuck a diet has quote unquote worked or changed your life experience that don't have to do with a healed metabolism and easy kind of weight stabilization? And the first answer to that is when I, um, I sort of had a similar experience to you. So it was sort of like maybe a year and a half down the line. I, I lost a lot of weight because I kind of, I moved and I, I was doing a show and I was really having an awesome social life. And I, I wasn't, I didn't, I don't even think I had a full length mirror. I was like subletting a room. I, um, I was really busy and I had all these new friends and I was eating out all the time and I was just sort of like, you know, it was just a big life change and I lost a lot of weight and it was a year and a half into the fucka diet and I'd been doing all this energy work on my beliefs about weight and food and I'd been, you know, he, you know, healing on the physical level and doing the mental emotional stuff for a really long time. And I remember that what was so healing about it to me wasn't the weight loss. I sort of had a similar experience to you being like, oh man, like this is happening. How do I approach this with a totally new perspective? And what was different about it for me was that I, I strongly believed that it might be temporary. And I was okay with that. In the past, in the past, whenever I'd lost weight, normally it was purposely that I was losing weight on a diet, I was just so petrified that it wouldn't last. And the weight loss created more obsession, more of a fixation on how can I really like optimize this and make this last forever. So it sort of increased the obsession. But this time I remember thinking, wow, this might not last. And I, and I have to be okay with that when I would buy clothes, when I would look in the mirror or whatever, see videos or pictures. I was like, this might not last. And then like maybe six months later, I went through a breakup and I wasn't really doing anything different. It was also like, you know, February ish, February, March, you know, that like wintry time. And my schedule was different and my life was different and my working life was different and I gained weight and it wasn't, I didn't notice anything different that I was doing. It was like a fluctuation of emotions and dealing with new stuff and, you know, seasonal. And again, my response was, who cares? I just trusted it. I trusted it in this really deep way. It was like an opportunity to live the fuck it diet more intensely. And if little things would come up, if I would see myself in pictures, I would just like remember what my, um, you know, what, what I stood for now and what I really wanted to prioritize. And anytime any old thoughts would come up and it was way rarer, it was like really kind of starkly different from how I used to deal with weight gain but anytime any old thoughts would come up I just had this my life was so focused um around having a different relationship to food and weight that I I just it was so easy to notice those thoughts I also made a very strong decision not to change anything that I was doing not to try and eat differently or exercise differently 
And then in a couple months, again, when the summer rolled around, naturally, I fluctuated a little bit less. And I sort of fluctuated in that way. And it's not super dramatic. I notice it literally because of my bras, you know, and you just like, it's a slight, subtle change in the way that you fit in your clothes. Um, I've fluctuated like that ever since. And it's pretty much been neutral to me. Um, that's a huge, huge, huge difference for me. That is a way that I find that the diet, quote unquote, works on an emotional and mental level. Another way that, that I would say the diet works <clears throat> is that I just don't think about food. I've become one of those people that forgets about food if I'm really busy or really excited about something that I'm doing. Um, that is something that I genuinely thought was a myth because I was so restricted and so obsessed with when I was going to get to eat next because I was so hungry all the time. I was like, I just, I, you know, people make those jokes. They're like, yeah, you forgot to eat. Like, I'll never, ever forget to eat. All I do is think about eating. So it really is amazing that feeding yourself gets your mind out of that kind of fixated state on a chemical level. So I really don't think about food as much. I actually have to look at it from the opposite direction of like forgetting to eat isn't a good thing. Like before I would have been like, oh my God, I'm such an amazing dieter. I'm forgetting to eat. And now it's like, oh no, if I forget to eat, then I'm really hungry later. So like, I don't want, I don't want to forget to eat because there are like negative consequences on blood sugar and mood and energy. So like wanting to remember to eat or prioritizing meals. Um, I also, I've talked about this a lot, but I was doing The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, which is a book, kind of a workbook of sorts on creativity, on creativity as a, as a kind of a spiritual force, um, that we as humans are meant to be kind of open and creative and in touch with whatever our creative gifts are or fun and experimentation and not needing it to be perfect before we're willing to try something or to try to create something. And it was totally coincidental that I was reading it at the same time as my fuck it diet, but it made a huge difference to me. And everything that I've done since then has been through the lens of creativity being healing and a way to help you get in touch with who you really are and what you really care about. And also another way to kind of put into application not being obsessed with perfection. I felt like it was a really amazing parallel between being willing. To, so essentially the fuck a diet, the site was me being like, I'm just going to start writing about this, whether I'm, you know, whether it's refined or not. And it was not refined. It's still not refined. I mean, this podcast episode alone, I'm like, you know, waking up and all that stuff. And because I'm talking so much, I'm not actually drinking my coffee. So give me a second. I'm just going to have a sip. Okay, creativity, um, just like she said in that letter, creativity is super healing and you don't need to be a, a career creative to have the, you know, the, the energy of creativity to like kind of infuse and make your life a little bit brighter and happier and a little bit less controlled and by the book. Um, as I like to say, 
anything you do is a creative act. There was a girl, I'm in this yoga teacher training, it's almost over. I did my book report on Yoga Nidra, which is a, it's called, it's also called Yogic Sleep. It's like this guided meditation into your body and it's, it does a lot of that energy worky things that I think can be really healing with the fuck a diet and with any other sort of addiction or trauma. But this girl um, did a book report on sequencing and she made this amazing packet for us and she like picked out the way that she wanted to teach us and um, she was like, I'm sorry guys, I'm not really creative. The other, another girl did a book report on the same thing but she's a creative writer and so her lens was totally different. She was... Um, she read a personal essay about how she kind of applied the lessons from the book about sequencing yoga being like a beginning, middle, end, kind of like a story. And so she told a story, blah, blah. So this other girl was like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not a creative person at all. I'm very like, you know, in- intellectual. So she's like, but you know, I, I did, I created, or <laughs> she was like, I created a, a sequence for you based on the book, you know, try it out. Let me know what you think. I, you know, I just, I was, I was trying something out. Um, but I also shared all of this information from the book. She's like, sorry, I'm not a creative person like Paula. And I was like, girl, you're so creative. Just creating this, um, creating this, you know, packet for us, first of all, is totally a creative act. Creating a flow, because, you know, there are many different ways, many different focuses of like yoga poses, different things that you're like, different energetic things you're focusing on. I was like, that was a creative act in and of itself. She's like, no, 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 no. You know, just like she was just sure that she's not creative. And everything you do is creative. Having a conversation is creative. Getting dressed in the morning. Clothes shopping is creative. Decorating your house. <laughs> not decorating your house. Um, you know, the way that you make your resume is creative. We have, you know, we are putting our stamp and our perspective on things all of the time. And kind of um, seeing that is super valuable and allowing yourself to play around with that I think is so healing. I'm going on such a tangent, I'm so sorry, but I think that looking at life that way has been a huge healing force to me and I attribute it to the fuck it diet and I also attribute it to um, the artist's way and I think that it's really hard for me to separate the two of those things because they happen at the same time for me and in my brain, there was so much overlap. I also don't, um, I don't, so I either don't think about my weight or worry about what people think of my weight. I know that I, I talked about how I was thin in the beginning of this, but um, I still, I like sometimes have a really hard fit in clothes because of my boobs. Um, the bras that I have are, um, they're not like t-shirt bras so you can like see them they're like bumpy so like I think about things like it's sort of the same way of being like oh man like I don't look good in this or oh man I can't wear that or oh man um will people think like I can't wear sports bras like I really can't unless I get I on my list of deep self-care is like getting tailor-made sports bras like actually fit me and don't look freaking weird under shirts thin shirts um but I wear like a regular bra to yoga and like I I had to go through this process of being like it doesn't matter like it I can do whatever I want like I can do whatever I want I can wear whatever I want I can look however I want you can see the line of like the bumpy line of my bra through my shirts and like you'll live to see another day like 
I have, you know, I have my own like chronic health liver, like heavy metal stuff. And so I still have some like skin flare ups that I, you, you know, used to be super self-conscious about. And now I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter if someone sees me and they're like, what is up with her? Like she looks like a mess. It doesn't matter. I'm a good person. I love my life. And if people don't like the way I look, that is their issue. Now, again, that's steeped in privilege because people aren't going to necessarily make the assumptions about me that they make about people in a larger body. However, um, like skin privilege, you know, like people do make assumptions about people with skin issues. They assume that it must be the way they wash their face or the way they eat. And that's just not necessarily true. It's often not true at all. Um, I just know that to be true from my own experience and my own issues with skin and all the things that I've tried to do to heal my skin. It's way more systemic. It's way more kind of the way my body genetically handles things or can't handle things. And that's just that. So I have this, you know, sometimes I'll have an old thought of like, oh no, I can't do that. And then I, enough of my life is steeped in in the fuck it diet that I quickly remember like, oh no, I can do whatever I want. Oh no, it doesn't matter what I wear. Oh no, it doesn't matter what these people that I don't know or know uh, think about the shirt that I'm wearing or whatever. Um, What will I do if people think it's weird that I don't wear a sports bra to do yoga? Nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I think, I genuinely think about um, my appearance way less. And when I do think about it, I have a really solid um I don't give a fuck next thought so there's always that like quick next thought of like oh yeah it doesn't matter six years ago this would have debilitated me right now it just doesn't matter um it's that kind of thing and that's really really liberating on like a going out like um meeting friends do I have to look a certain way going on dates do I have to do I care if I look a certain way if people like don't think that I fit into whatever mold um and then also of course I'm not thinking about meal prepping and like what will I eat all of the time which is incredibly liberating so those are the really practical things the other big thing of course and I've always sort of had this but And some people will resonate with this and some people will have no idea what I'm talking about and kind of think it's weird. But I genuinely feel, like Emma said in this email, I genuinely feel really guided. I feel like um, I asked for this. I didn't realize that this is what was coming for me. But when I was in deep uh, diet misery and pain, I really really asked the universe I mean I go through many I know that people really don't like the word God or they don't you know it makes religion has harmed and hurt a lot of people so I know that that it's kind of a loaded thing to talk about this but I don't look at it in a religious way I look at it in a sort of um, there is some sort of helping, loving force out there. And I sometimes like to call it life. Like life is guiding me. Life is helping me. Life is helping me heal and helping me share things with people. And just like, I know that that sounds really woo-woo, but also if I was claiming to like be the genius behind the fuck it diet, 
And it was like all me, like, oh my God, I'm so smart and helpful. Like, look how much I helped this girl who wrote this nice email to me. That's like this um, kind of ego and taking credit for something that I feel like was a gift to me. I feel like it's like a privilege and a gift to kind of like share this information and knowledge that is not, you know, I am repackaging it in the way that I've experienced it, in the way that I write and speak, which thankfully resonates with people, but I am not the first anti-diet teacher. I am not the first body positive teacher. You all probably know that very deeply. Um, I am not the first mindfulness or, um, you know, person who is repackaged like yoga or spirituality in this sort of like irreverent way. I'm not the first person to do this. I am not the last person who will do this. I'm one of many, many people. And I feel like this is um, something that I was like really lucky to be quote unquote given to share. I feel like that um, me getting this book deal was like super beyond me. It was like all these helping forces um, helping me get a book deal. Um, and I feel really lucky and I feel like I just can't take the credit on my own. And I really do feel like if I can trust that I am being guided, that I am maybe helping other people trust a little bit more. I I feel like it's kind of like dangerous to talk about that because people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's a dangerous thing to do. We live in a really like cruel uh, world and we shouldn't trust anybody and we shouldn't trust anything and it's every man for himself. And I just, that hasn't been my personal experience. Though yes, we do live in a cruel world. But it's our job to, I don't know, make it just like a little bit less cruel. So I this is like the most major tangent and this is a really like odd episode of mine and I blame it on not finishing my coffee so I don't know if that was helpful but I feel like my life is about creativity and writing and sharing and looking at my life through the lens of perfection not existing of health being um something that has very 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 little to do with weight and um, supporting, you know, really taking the blame off of myself and taking the blame off of other people and sharing that lesson and that message so other people can find the same healing and peace that I have. Because basically I have a lot more laughter and happiness and ease and the stakes are way lower. Um, I'm happy to wake up in the morning. I like what I'm doing. I feel like um, there's way more to learn, but I feel like the stuff that I have to say right now is like joyful for me and hopefully it's healing for other people. My life has changed so much from the fuck a diet, not only from applying it to myself, but getting to be somebody who shares it. And anyway, I'm super thankful for this email from, from Emma. I would love to hear any similar stories or any, you know, personal stories from you guys about how the fuck a diet has helped you not just in healing metabolism. Oh my God, this has been so long. Okay, let's see if, I actually don't know if there are any other current Patreon questions, so I'm gonna check and we'll see. And again, if you listening want to ask questions for the podcast, you should do that. 
it's pay what you can. Huh. When was my last email? Okay. Tomorrow. So it was the third. Okay. 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 <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So the first question is, Ali said, I want to share a recent epiphany. I've been fucking, fucking, <laughs> fucking for about five months now. Thank you so much. My life is so much better. I have so much more energy and headspace for all of the other things that have been revealed as far more important than the shape of my butt. Epiphany. I've been eating whatever I want, but I, but still with this mindset of rebellion. So like in being able to eat, she feels like she's rebelling. That's felt very satisfying and vindicating after fighting with food and body image since I was 10, but I just had a breakthrough. I realized that I can eat whatever I want as a form of self-care instead. Since the ch- since that change, I have started actually taking time in the morning to make myself breakfast instead of skipping because I woke up too late and making sure I get to my lunch break on time. And I feel like loved. <laughs> That's amazing. This feels like a totally different form of food acceptance, nourishing myself. That's This is why I talk about, nur- I use the word nourishing because I think that it has many different ways you can apply it and you can apply it to yourself. I'm saying this myself as Caroline. You can apply it to yourself in whatever way, um, in whatever stage you are. So I think rebellion is a really essential and helpful phase, especially to get you through all the fear because sometimes you need to rebel if you feel like um, rebelling is a helpful energy against lots of like internal resistance. But self-care and actually self-nourishing and like self-love maybe is the next step or maybe that can come hand in hand with rebelling before not needing to be, because rebelling can be exhausting, honestly, but it can also be really healing. So she says, nourishing myself. And it's hard to explain, but it feels huge. And on another note, thank you for the podcast, especially. I don't think I would have made it this far without them. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. It must have been nearly every two weeks that I've thought about starting some new restrictive plan and then I'm saved by a new and incredibly timely podcast and led back towards sanity. Much love from Allie. Oh my gosh, I am so happy to hear that. That is amazing. And in this way, when she talks about having her own epiphany, she she started based on what I had been teaching, she started by like, okay, I'm going to rebel against these beliefs and these rules with food. And then an epiphany hit her, like her own personal spiritual aha moment that she can't fully, she said, it's hard to explain, but it feels huge. And it's about self-care. It's about nourishing myself with food. It's about actually taking care of myself I can't force that on people. I feel like it's so exciting to hear other people have their own epiphany because I had my, oh my God, my phone is not on silent. What the heck? Because I had my own epiphany and it was so hard to explain, but it was a huge shift. And only in that shift was I able to do this. Um, And so to have your own where you're like, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like I'm in a different space or I have a different understanding about weight and worth and whatever that's huge and it's so exciting to hear about that guys share with me your own fuck it diet epiphanies did you hear about the fuck it diet and then start and then have an epiphany did you have your own epiphany and then find the fuck it diet and be like oh my god this is actually a thing i'd love to hear 
All right, Jen says, Hi, Caroline. I found your website years ago and recently needed it again. I started obsessively listening to your podcast. I love it so much and I needed it. Side note, I looked you up on YouTube and watched watched your video about your beauty routine and was laughing so hard my daughter was concerned about my safety. That's great. It's just really like, oh my God, I don't have the sound off on anything. She said, anyway, I stopped binge eating about five years ago by giving up dieting. Duh. It coincided with the death of my dad and getting pregnant with my daughter. And it all felt very positive and healing. Recently, though, I've noticed some health perfectionism really creeping in. Thanks for alerting me to that term. For instance, I got really into reading about longevity and fasting. And I decided to do this five-day fasting mimicking diet, FMD. Never heard of it. I felt fine, like not obsessed with food when I was on it, but when I came off of it, I was eating a lot more than before, which of course makes sense. But then I realized that I've told my that I told myself that I not only had to do FMD, but when I was done, I had to forever eat a mostly vegan or vegan Mediterranean diet with very low sugar, as recommended by this longevity scientist guy. Boom! Diet thinking big time. All I wanted was cheese and sugar which there's totally a reason for that. Your body's so smart. I found myself getting super crazy and obsessive, which is how I ended up back to your site and listening to your podcast. I guess my question is this. Is there any room for following certain protocols? Oh my God, I can't believe I'm answering this question today. Is there any room for following certain protocols? Like the scientists whom I do trust recommending eating within 12 hour window, only three meals a day and doing an F- doing the FMD a couple times a year to help with cell regrowth and other fancy stuff. Or does someone with my history developed developed disordered eating in my early 20s and struggles with binges until I was 33 need to stay away from that kind of stuff forever? I found eating within the 12-hour window not at all restrictive, but some of the other stuff makes me feel a little anxious, so I assume that's what I want to stay away from. I get easily sucked into the stuff, though. Help. Oh, my God. Okay. This is such a good question. Um... <laughs> My initial response is I don't think that it will ever be a great idea. However, I should share something personal that I wasn't going to share until after I was done or after I wrote my second book or after I figured out how to teach this in a way that wasn't triggering at all. I am sitting here. Let me drink some more coffee. I'm so sorry to people who hate mouth sounds. My family has a lot of sensory issues. They hate mouth sounds too. So let me explain to you what I'm doing right now as of this morning. And I pray that it is not triggering because that is the last thing I ever want to be. I, Caroline Duner, have had mercury and lead poisoning my entire life, but I didn't know it. I've had symptoms of this my whole life. And then um, in teen years, I, you know, polycystic ovaries and like acne and um, a hormonal imbalance and other, you know, things that are attributed to polycystic ovaries were sort of like a symptom of this deeper thing. Um, I have this gene mutation as well that is, it's the MTHFR gene. There are different versions of the mutation, but essentially it impedes detoxification. It, it makes it harder for your body and your liver, your lymph system to process out certain 
environmental toxins that other people have no problem processing out, which is why some people, you know, diff- this different people can experience the same uh, environmental situation and one person gets sick and the other person doesn't. It's because some bodies are better at processing things out than others. So I didn't know any of this till like a year, a year-ish ago. Um, while I was dieting, obsessive dieting for 10 years, essentially I was trying to use dieting and weight loss as a way to heal my chronic health issues that I thought were caused by weight and food and sugar. Um, for instance, like candida and yeast, I believed was caused by sugar and was my own personal moral failing. I just needed to cut out sugar forever. Um, and then I'd be healed and happy and healthy and beautiful and alert and just like so fucking funny and cool and everyone would want to be my friend and I'd be beautiful, my skin would be good, whatever. Obviously it didn't work. It was a total fucking disaster. Um, so then I went on the fuck it diet and I healed my relationship to food. Totally. Healed my relationship to sugar. I don't give a fuck about sugar. I like eat it and then I stop or I like whatever. It's just like not a big deal. I don't feel addicted at all. I eat carbs and I eat sugar and I don't feel like, I feel like it just makes my life better. I feel like it makes my energy better and my health better and all this stuff. And that's backed up by science. But I can also say from personal experience that it really, really works as someone who is a total, total um, food addict in quotes, sugar addict. It was all because of restriction and mental restriction. So when I went on the fuck it diet, I was, had been paleo. I was trying to heal my hormones again. I was trying to heal insomnia, all of, like I had all this health stuff. I had like twitchy muscles, uh, just like bad skin, all of this stuff, um, that I believed that, uh, dieting and paleo would heal essentially. So I went on the fuck it diet with the understanding that I needed to heal my health perfectionism because I had tried, I had like done everything. I had done everything that I could find. I cared so much about healing my health. I wanted to be responsible. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to support my body. I didn't like, I thought that eating sugar was irresponsible for so many years, so I didn't do it or I binge. And then I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I wanted to be responsible. I wanted to heal. I cared so much. And it came around to this epiphany where I was like, oh my God, I've been like hurting myself because low carb doesn't heal insulin resistance. It actually makes it worse. You know, the cue the fuck a diet, all the research I did, all the eating I did, all the healing I did, it changed my life. I think it was like the most important thing I could have done for my healing. And for anybody who thinks that I don't care about health or I'm like giving up on health, it's just not true. I... I, that was the most important thing I could have done for my health and for my mental health, but also for my physical health. Um, I think that without it, I would be so much worse off than I am right now. Guys, allergies are so bad. My eyes are so puffy. (laughs) Okay. Um, so with the fuck a diet, I remember I said to the universe, I said to God, I said to life, I said to myself, to my whatever. I don't, I feel like I have many different ways of trying to connect to 
um, something bigger than myself. I have different ways of looking at it all of the time. But I essentially said, okay, I care about health so much, but I have to do this. And I think that this is going to really help me going on the fuck a diet, eating more, gaining weight, becoming okay with that. Um, I don't know if I'll ever heal. Oh, I had super, super low progesterone and estrogen. Um, I started going on progesterone then, which kind of helped jog a period that I've had ever since. Um, and I, I'm not on progesterone anymore. So I was like, I don't know what I need. <laughs> like, I don't know if my skin will ever be good. I don't know if my hormones will ever be normal. I don't know what I need, but I need to be less obsessed with having perfect health. I need to just sort of meet myself where I am right now and be okay with if this is my health forever, sort of like weird sleep and ruddy skin and like oily skin and like whatever, bad, you know, like kind of wacky hormones. If this is the best that it gets, I have to be okay with that because it's okay. Like my life is fine. And I like laugh a lot and I have all of this joy and I'm functional and I'm lucky for that. There are some people who aren't functional at all or have in a way more debilitating chronic illnesses or disabilities. And like in the grand scheme of things, mine is like, like someone would, could also tell me that I'm making it all up, which I'm not, but they could tell me that and be like, your health is totally fine. Like, shut up. You're fine. I've done everything too. I've gone in the pill. I've done all the like super, you know, Western medicine things, but they don't know how to heal polycystic ovaries. They don't know how to heal chronic illnesses. They have like stuff to maybe ease symptoms or whatever, or try to ease symptoms. And I tried all the alternative things too, or most of them. So um, I, what, what am I saying? So I essentially was like, okay, I need to do this. I need to be open to this being my life. And if there's something that I need to do for my health that I can't see right now or that I don't know about right now or I don't have the wherewithal to do right now or whatever, um, please like help me find it. Guide me there. Show it to me. Bring it to me. I don't know what it is. I've tried everything I can think of and I've driven myself insane and I've made my health worse and I just need to... Um, be okay with this. And then if there's something else that I need to do, let me know. So I went on the fuck it diet for like four or five years. It was the best thing. It's still the best thing. I'm still on the fuck it diet. I will be forever. Um, it was the most healing thing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. My life is so good because of the fuck it diet in so many ways. I love it. Um, still in the fuck diet. I just want to make that clear. Uh, I started working with this natural doctor two years ago and I found her in this really magical way. It's a really good friend of mine. Friend. It's a friend of a friend. Oh God. That's my mail. It was a friend of a friend who, um, my, my couch is, is right next to my mail slot in my door. Uh, a friend of a friend who is an amazing natural doctor. She works a lot with chronic health stuff, with Lyme disease, with chronic viruses, with parasites, and with um, you know other other thing other causes of kind of chronic health stuff. And metals would be one of them, like heavy metals. Um, I remember my mom saying to me that she tested really high for mercury, 
And that probably meant that I did too because she had dental amalgams and it can be passed in utero and she had them before um, I was born, blah, 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 blah. And I was this is back at the beginning of the fuck a diet. And I was like, I cannot handle this right now. I have enough on my emotional, mental, physical, financial plate. I can't handle this right now. And I literally like shut the door on that because uh, detoxing from heavy metals is like a really, really exhausting process. And essentially, I'm going through it right now. And it's so hard. It's really, really hard. Um, that I was like, I can't deal with this right now. I need to just focus on the task at hand. I need to heal my relationship to food and weight. And so I did. And I started working with this natural doctor maybe two years ago. And she was like, is there anything you're not willing to do? And I said, yes, I'm not willing to diet. I have a history of disordered eating and I'm really healed right now. And I eat like really intuitively and really well. And I, you know, I love, I'm like such a food snob and I love, you know, like, or, you know, just like really good, expensive, snobby shit. But, you know, I, I don't diet and I won't diet. And I said, unless you can tell me that a diet will fully heal me, like for sure, like I'm not, I don't believe it essentially. She was like, no, that's great. That's fine. No need to diet, which was amazing. So she's been supporting my body in different ways, testing for different things. Um, we did a gene test and we saw the gene mutation. She's like, you just need more like liver and lymph support and drainage support to help your body do what other bodies do naturally, just easier. Just help it, support. And this all was amazing. Um, in terms of the fuck it diet, this is like, this is great. We just need to support the body. We need to nourish the body. It's not about cutting things out. It's about supporting, nourishing, and adding things in. So um, essentially, it's just, I had another epiphany um, that I had. And, she, you know, we she was like, oh, you know, I think this is like a metals. I think you might have a lot of metals. And we're just going to support your body with binders, things that will help to bind to the metal so they'll, you know, your body will actually excrete them as opposed to it circulating and it causing, you know, more harm. Because the idea with metals is that they're kind of dormant in your tissues and they can kind of like leak out into your bloodstream and then like harm you. They're really toxic and they really can like, they can cross the blood brain barrier. They can cause um, lots of like mental and, um, and emotional disturbances, but they can also like negatively affect different organs. And um, my liver in particular, because of many things, is like kind of overburdened and always has been. And so I got to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't drink any alcohol. And it's what's amazing is that like food makes me feel amazing, like pretty much all food. But alcohol is the one thing where I was like, oh my God, I, I can barely do this anymore. And so essentially like working with my doctor to be like, I want to be able to drink again. Like, can you help me get to a place where drinking doesn't like hurt me so much? And so like, that's the hilarious goal of like, yeah, let's get you to a place where your body is like resilient enough to, and your liver is supported enough that you can actually drink without feeling like complete shit. So anyway, I had this epiphany, remembering what my mom said to me. We tested for metals. I definitely have high metals. Um, I also have parasites, um, which 
what's interesting about parasites is they sequester metals. So they will take on metals so you are not absorbing them. However, they also cause nutritional deficiencies and other disturbances like sleep, you know, they can make allergies. They just kind of can be an overburden to your body in another way. And then when you try to kill them, which I've been doing for a year, um, they release metals and they make you feel really sick. So I've been doing all of this stuff while on still on the fucka diet and while not dieting for a year. And it's been fascinating and it's something that I will write about one day, like essentially the fucka diet for chronic illnesses, how to not be afraid of food and weight and sugar um, from the perspective of people with chronic illnesses who are always told to go on these really extreme diets that for the most part, unless you have some extreme allergy, um, don't don't heal the root cause at all. And it's a total scapegoat and it can actually make things worse. Um, but I've been feeling so sick on these new uh, parasite supplements that essentially kill candida. So I just want to throw out there again, I healed my relationship to sugar and food, even with lots of candida. Candida sequesters mercury. So if people have overgrowths of candida, it's not because of sugar. It can be often because it can often be because of higher levels of metals. Um, this is not also, I just want to put out there that this is not what everyone will experience. Not everybody has this kind of like deeper chronic health thing that I have. Some people can just fucking not ever think about this and be totally fine. And that is amazing. And I think that's, that's what I wish I had, but it's not. I have had this very, very steep learning curve. And for people with chronic health issues, this might be helpful information to know. I was not going to share this, but this question made me want to go into this. So anyway, I've been having really, really, really painful die-off reactions when I take these essential oils, essentially, that kill candida. I get vertigo. I get horrible headaches. Um, and my liver hurts. And I just feel awful. And recently, my doctor was like, okay, so candida sequesters mercury, so we need to help we need to up the stuff that's going to help you you know like get out mercury and bind mercury but your liver also needs a lot of help so if you're open to doing a liver flush consider that and she said and I realize now she said that because she knew that it was kind of like there is like you have to not eat fat for a couple of days and then you drink all this olive oil and it actually it like triggers your body into like releasing stuffing your liver that you've been softening with whatever and I, she was like, just see if you're open to doing this and that might really help your liver. Um, and then we'll do this other stuff and you don't have to do it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh God. And so I looked at it up and I was like, oh, it's like four or five days of like eating vegetarian and not eating a lot of fat and then drinking this olive oil citrus thing and then and having and drinking apple cider vinegar before then to like soften the stones and see and I'd looked at this for a while like I'd seen people talking about this like all through my life and I was like that's so weird and extreme and who knows if those stones are even real and like blah whatever 
I don't need to do that. It's so extreme. Like, I don't believe in cleanses, blah, blah. But my liver is really, like, fucked up. And it's my personal weakness. My liver needs a lot of help. And so I said, okay, can I look at this through the lens of the fuck it diet? Can I, because if I've done cleanses in the past in super diet mind where like I do it even more intensely and I'm like afraid of sugar and I'm like, if I can keep this up for the rest of my life, does this mean that vegetarian and super low fat is healthy? Should I like blah, 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 all this crazy like purity, doing something perfectly, is this going to heal me once and for all stuff? And so I was like, okay, can I do this from the perspective of somebody who does not believe in diets, who knows that the body needs to be nourished, who knows that um, weight has nothing to do with this, that weight loss is actually maybe a sign that the body isn't getting enough nourishment, blah, 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 blah. Can I see this as not something that is necessarily a healthy diet, but is something that is going to help deliver to kind of move stuff out that might be keeping me feeling sick? Can I also look at this in a way that maybe it's not going to work or maybe it's not going to be that helpful, but maybe doing it once will teach me that I never need to do it again? Or maybe I'll see that it was a helpful thing and whatever. Can I look at health for myself in a non-diet way, even doing this weird very, very short-term, temporary, quote-unquote, flush, cleanse. And that is what I'm trying to do. And I'm going to report back, not immediately. I'm processing all of this for how to talk about chronic health stuff from a weight-neutral and food-neutral and food, you know, like anti-diet perspective. And so I am doing this thing. And I look at it from this perspective, like say you injure your knee and you need physical therapy on your knee for a time to get you back to a place where you can walk around normally. That's what I feel like this is comparable to for me and my liver, having to deal with heavy metals in a body that's not really great at processing things out, whereas other bodies are more capable at that, of doing that. I don't think this is something that everyone should do. I don't think this is something that everybody needs to do. I think this is something that I've essentially only done because I'm like, all right, like maybe this will really help me. And then as it says, like the instructions are, you know, you do, it's essentially, it's just preparing your, your liver to be triggered by the olive oil to release things. That's the only reason that it's like low fat for just a couple days. It's not a healthy diet. It's a very specific therapeutic thing that only some people need if they have a specific situation. Um, And then it's like as you transition back to normal food, like they even in this perspective, it's like you have like normal food, like eating normal. And then there's this very, very specific thing that some people need anyway it's not like fun but I'm looking at it from the perspective of the fuck it diet and seeing how to learn from it for myself how would I 
talk about this for people who maybe find themselves in similar situations to me, which I know most people won't. And um, basically, it's not um, easy or something that I would recommend to most people. Let me actually get back to this question. I don't think that like if I'm going to compare what I'm doing to what you're talking about, a 12-hour eating window, all of this kind of focus on cell regrowth and all of this kind of this kind of obsessive way of looking at health and longevity, I think is a recipe for obsession. It's kind of dogmatic. It's kind of that that fine line between cultish dogma and religion and and diet dogma and diet cults it's this if we can live our lives perfectly we will live forever or we will you know never die and i know that that he's not saying you'll never die but but it is still this like it's a like if this was what i had to do for the rest of my life like if I had to eat very specifically for my liver in this way that was like trying to avoid ever getting here again or whatever, I would call that disordered eating. I would say that's not worth it. I would say it's probably not healthy in the big picture, emotionally, mentally, stress-wise. I think like, so my, my, like, my quick take on what you're saying is that what you're doing is going back into some disordered stuff. It's perfectionism with food. Can I find the perfect diet to like perfectly, perfectly support my body every single day? I think that that doesn't exist. And I could be wrong. Maybe this guy is like such a genius and one day I'll be eating my words, but I really doubt it, especially from a disordered eating standpoint. Um... I think that like natural fasting, like when you're not hungry, is what people are trying to uh, replicate with the kind of like intermittent fasting stuff. Um, And I don't think that forced restriction is healthy. I really don't. Um, So I am really going to leave this up to you. Obviously, I just explained that I'm like doing this crazy thing for four days to try and help my liver, which sounds very non-fuck a diet. I'm also talking about like detox and toxins, which also seems really non-fuck a diet, except that the big difference is this, first of all, purity doesn't exist. It's not about purity. It's about resilience. So if I'm trying to get my liver to a more resilient place, this is an experiment that I might regret or I might be like, I'm so glad that I personally with my own personal health plight did that. I don't know. I just don't know yet. But it's not about weight. It's not about um, losing weight. It's not about like purifying in my mind. I'm sure there are people who do it who are looking at it that way. But it's super dangerous. It's like super disordered, super fast. Um, I really want you to get super honest with yourself. I think that It sounds like you're looking for some rules to feel some sort of like safety and control. Um, And to me, it doesn't sound sustainable or healthy. Um, But that's my perspective from the fuck a diet. 
and you know there are extenuating circumstances like mine with my liver but it that's not what it sounds like yours is right now um and that's just my personal perspective and experience having um worked with lots and lots and lots of people who have tried to do similar things and even looking at my own stuff like being super honest with myself uh, if what i'm doing right now is like similar to what i used to do or if it's um different and i believe that what i'm doing right now is different and anyway i'd like to hear what you think i i i um i'd like to hear whether what i said resonates with you yeah that's that so let's move on to the next question comment and then we'll be finished for now and Kara said my new favorite fuck a diet blog quote is why are we counting almonds I just read the post about your old blog. Your honesty is commendable and I got a good laugh. So thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I wrote a post about my old blog when I got the book deal. Uh, and I wrote about how I had this old horrible food blog. I, I read it on the last podcast, didn't I? Anyway, that is all for today. I think that I have shared quite enough I am very interested in feedback, meaning um, what have you gotten from the fuck it diet? One of the earlier questions besides just weight, weight stabilization, um, what, uh, I don't know, what else did I talk about? I talked about other things, just whatever, whatever feedback you'd want to share um, on social media, specifically Instagram. Um, what else? Where else am I? Uh, oh, also, if you like this podcast and want to help it get out there for other people, um, leaving a review, the F it diet radio on iTunes, that will be so helpful. A five-star review, of course, I would prefer if you're gonna try and help boost this for other people. And other than that, if you also, if you want to ask questions for the podcast, you can join the pay what you can Patreon community, patreon.com slash Caroline Dooner. And other than that, thank you for listening to this. I hope that I was able to convey this in the, in this weird, like health and liver situation in the least diety way possible. Um, and that you understand what I was talking about. And if not, we can continue talking about this as well. So I will talk to you next time. Until then, just enjoy your life.